Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting with duty here. It's Wednesday night. We're going to do it a little bit early for Thursday morning delivery. Excited to talk to you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest in mixed martial arts, all the latest news, all the latest gossip and rumors and drama, some fight bookings, and uh, we even have an interview with uh, John Dodson, former flyweight in the UFC, now competing for BKFC. So should be a fun chat. He's always a lively character. And, of course, we'll give you all the deets on everything coming up this weekend, including UFC on ABC5. That's right. Elia Teporia and Josh Emmett in the main event. And then we also have PFL 6 2023 Avin Marseille versus Romero. This is the PFL's last regular season card before their playoffs. So we'll give you some information on that as well. And we'll be right back to start the show. All right, guys. So we got the UFC out in Jacksonville for UFC on ABC5, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, one thing that caught my eye was you remember when we talked to Phil Rowe? Yeah. I was actually just thinking of him today and that interview. Nice fellow, right? Yeah, nice guy. Uh, Missed right. weight, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know. In the, I don't know about this time yet. You know, uh, you're, you're probably referring to the other times he has. He's missed weight twice, actually. And But it's funny because he there's a article on MMA Junkie, Phil Rowe sounds off on weenie, USC commentators who criticized weight misses. And I thought, ooh, you better have a good case. Whatever, I don't know what your take is going to be, but you better have a good case because you're the one that missed weight, you know? Yeah. Um, What he's saying is, okay, I missed weight. That's on me. My bad, my mistake. But what he didn't like was that the commentator said, Oh, that means he had a bad camp. He's saying, no, I felt great. I didn't have a bad camp. I just had a bad weight cut. Um, in my opinion, goes, look, the guy is eight and three overall, 10 and three overall, sorry. And in the UFC, he's three and one. And he's won his last three. He came through contender series. And they've all been nice finishes, dude. So he's on a roll. I get it. So he's got a little bit of swag. And he's actually trying to make some noise for himself. And I can appreciate that. He's got Neil Magny, by the way, on Saturday, folks. And but the only thing I don't like is you miss weight twice, and so sure, maybe they're you know they're the blame that they're trying to say is that you had a bad weight camp. Maybe that's wrong, and in the end, you're right because you're admitting you had the bad weight cut. But hello, you had a bad weight cut. It's like that trumps everything, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't have really too much of a leg to stand on to be nitpicking 
something like that. Yeah, you know that GIF where uh, where Homer Simpson just kind of crawls back into them bushes. Mm-hmm. That's what you have to do, uh, regardless of because he's right. You know, just because he missed weight doesn't mean he had a bad camp. But you're not in the position to have that argument. You just have to kind of go away. And I'll be honest, George, like coming back and making weight once isn't enough. You probably have to do that multiple times before people start to to say, okay, this guy's back on, on track here. He's going in the right direction because two misses are two misses, you know? So I think uh, really, if I'm a coach even, I would probably say to this guy, look, man, your mind shouldn't even be on this right now. You know, it should be on the fight. It should be on making weight. Uh, don't listen to what other people have to say. Let's just shut everybody up in the cage. Because Neil Magny is a tough customer. And Neil Magny can kind of match uh, Phil Rowe in the sense of the things that he's really good at doing, using that length and all that. Uh, Magny can do that too. So uh, it's a tough fight. He needs to focus on the fight. Just get that all out of your head. Regardless of your right, their right, whatever, just focus, put your focus on the fight. Yeah. He, when asked about that, should have just said, look, my bad. And I will say that the announcers uh, thought I may have had a bad camp. I'm just here to say I didn't. I just messed up on the weight. But to kind of try and flip it and to focus on the announcers being weenies, and who knows? I guess if it's Brendan or John or whoever else, all right, you know, maybe you have a little bit more of a case there, but who are you going to call a weenie nowadays? This thing, Cruz, uh, Cormier, they, they kind of all won belts, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I suppose Paul Felder didn't, but Paul Felder had a really nice career. And so those guys... Uh, you know, they, along with many others, have raised the bar, and that's just something you do. You make weight. Two of those three wins in his three win, three fight win streak are just fights where he missed weight. But you know, it wasn't even like barely. He's supposed to weigh in at one seventy one. He weighed in at one seventy three and a half two times. That's two and a half pounds over two times. So it's unfortunate because I really like the way he came off in a way. He had a lot of swag. Sounds like he's a real one, and he's ready to put on a show, and he wants. he's wondering, when when am I going to take off? You know, I feel like I've done some good stuff here. While I'm in the USC, when's my time? And so it kind of reminded me of Kevin Lee when Kevin Lee was, you know, doing work, and he was wondering why he wasn't getting the attention. And then you know what Kevin Lee did? He went out mm-hmm. and sought it out. You know, and he would call into our show. I remember he asked Chael if he could fly to Oregon and be on his show. He really, really went after it. And next thing you know, Kevin Lee started to become a name. He even fought for the interim title once. You know, I would say Phil Rowe, do something more like that. Make weight, you know, and and uh, and I think, you know, you, you might have a, you might have a chance. Because, like I said, there's, there's a lot of appealing things about the way he comes off, at least to me. Where I will give him credit is I like the insult weenie. I like these types of insults more than, you know, using curse words or whatever. Like Michael Chandler, right? He calls people nerds. Nerds, weenies, dorks. Those, to me, sting more. I don't know why. It's just a weird feeling. But I, I will give him props on the weenie thing. That did make me laugh. 
Yeah, me too. Um, then another thing that came off from the the media day and the stuff happening, you know, here before the fight, the press conferences, I guess. I guess it was more of a media day, I should say. Ilya Toporia says he expects a title shot if he beats Josh Emmett. Not only that goes, he says he'll finish Josh Emmett in round – oh, sorry, <laughs> Alexander Volkanovsky in round one. And so once again, okay, I love it when a fighter sticks up. And I love it when they kind of carve their path, what they're thinking, what 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 they want to do, and, and and shoot for the stars. I get it. But oof, sometimes it's like you went a little too far. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I like Ilya Toporia. I like him to win on Saturday. I think he's a three to one favorite. But Hey man, Volkanovski's no joke. Well, you know, neither like, is. Just say you're gonna beat Volkanovski with this whole first round thing, like that is a lot. That 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 now you kind of almost want to say, hey, uh, it, it, it did he lose too much weight? Like he's not thinking clearly here. Somebody keep an eye on him. Like that makes me want to say that. You know who's not a joke too is Josh Emmett. Like that's still a tough out, regardless of what the odds are saying. Tapuria is a great fighter, and we might we might be on the verge of discovering something very special about him, especially in this fight. But that's still a tough out. That's still Josh Emmett. And if you look at that team, and uh, I've been meaning to write both of these guys, but uh, Danny Castillo and Uriah Faber have done a great job coaching, dude. Not just being there for your fighter, but strategy wise. Uh, I just think they've done a tremendous job. And Josh Emmett kind of says all the right things too, right? If you listen to the stuff he was saying today, like he just accepts what happened. He had a bad performance. He gets it and he wants to turn that around. Uh, I get calling that shot. Hey, I, I think I can take Josh Emmett. I don't know if I, if I would say anything about Volkanovsky just yet, but if I did, I definitely wouldn't say I'm getting him out in one round. I might say I think I got that guy's number or something like that. But that's a that's kind of a lot, you know. Like, yeah, think about one weight class above, and not just a regular 155 or the champion at 155. That was hell for him. So I mean that that is a really really bold statement. If you're saying you're going to finish that guy in one round, I mean, when has he ever shown us any type of weakness that that says that's even possible? Yeah. Well, you know, Wolkanowski's going to chuckle at this one because, like I say, he's he's been tough, man, against you know up and coming bantamweights. Oh, sorry, featherweights, all time great featherweights. You know, streaking featherweights, whatever you want to say. He's just handled that division like a like a boss. And not only that, he gave the lightweight champ, you know, hell not too long ago as well. He lost a a close decision to the champ. So one could even argue that he's, you know, one of the top lightweights in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, okay. I, I appreciate his confidence. I just, I'm not telling fighters to not say these things. I'm just saying that most People are going to, they're not going to accept it. They're not going to digest so much. You can give them a little bit at a time. You know what I mean? So I don't want anyone saying, hey, man, on the one hand, you're telling everyone, you know, 
shoot for the stars, say what you want, throw it up, throw it out into the universe. Yeah, that's true. But again, take it easy. Like, you know, say that you could that you should be next and you like your chances against Volkanovsky. I could see myself getting my hand raised. Okay. But don't take it so far that now instead of us focusing on how great you have been looking, like that last mm-hmm. fight against Bryce Mitchell, you know, how good this matchup is for you against Josh Emmett, and the fact that you could be next against Volkanovski, not as many people are going to talk about that. In fact, they're just going to go and try and clown on you a little bit for going too far and saying you're going to take out Volkanovski in round one, which is kind of what we're doing. But, no, we're taking our time here, you know, and, and just talking about the quote itself. But also I, I want to still give praise to you, Leah, with Poria. I think he's pretty special, to tell you the truth. Dude, even if he went out and smashed Josh Emmett, it would it still wouldn't make me come around and go, hey, maybe he'll do the same to Volkanovsky. Like Volkanovsky's just uh in such high regard that it, it's it's difficult to even look at anybody doing something like that. So uh I mean I, I don't know. I commend him for kind of shooting for the stars, but I think he did go a little too far. I can only think of Mozwar Evloev, who has an undefeated record as well, being in between uh, Toporia and a title shot because everyone else has been close and, and, and you know, taken a loss lately, like Arnold Allen, Calvin Cater, Brian Ortega, Josh Emmett himself. So the winner, Yair versus Volkanovski, maybe maybe it's almost time for a guy like Ilya Toporia. Um but again, a lot's gonna have to do with if Volkanovski wins. Um, could he find a way to get to Makashev? I'm not so sure. A lot of us were like, okay, we'd like to see him running back one day. We're not in a hurry to do it right away. But you know, now that Vanil Dariush is out of the way, sounds like Oliveira could be next. But you got that VMF fight coming up. You just don't know. So we'll temper it down for now. Um, Volkanovski. He's already talking about the uh, Islam Makashev rematch, by the way. And I know that's more about UFC 290, but because we're kind of connecting dots, I'm just going to stay with it. Wolkanowski, he wants that Makashev rematch. So I touched on it right now. Look, if he beats Rodriguez, and because Darius is out of the way, maybe, because either way, Oliveira or uh, Wolkanowski is a rematch for the champ. Except that the Volkanovski fight was closer, but Oliveira's probably is a fight more people would want to see, I think. I don't know, because Oliveira's just pretty damn exciting. Um, but you still got that VMF fight with Dustin Poirier and, 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 and Justin Gagey. So until first this Volkanovski fight, you know, the uh, title unification plays out and then the VMF plays out, then I think we'll know more. I'm still not a fan of if that fight ever happens again, I, I need him to just get rid of that belt. You know, I, I just don't understand why you pause a belt for all that, especially after you just did it, you know, all right, now you unified the title. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not too big of a fan of it, but I, what I will say was for as much as I didn't like that fight happening, I enjoyed the hell out of that fight. Me too. And, and if, uh, if a rematch did happen, I would have to rethink my stance on Islam Makachev because I didn't feel like he had a bad night when he lost. I just felt like Alexander Volkanovsky was that good. 
and Alexander Volkanovsky kind of just shows improvements every fight. So that's a tough one, man. But uh, there's still a, a lot of things to uh, a lot of hurdles in the way. And like you said, BMF is one of them. Yeah, for sure. Um, I do want to see Volkanovski against Makachev again. I'm just not in a hurry. But at the same time, I don't think he should. He's like the fourth guy in line. Um, a lot will have to do with the winner of Hoya versus Gagey, I think. Um, we could tell Makachev wanted Darius because I think he wanted the pressure matchup of the two. He just beat Oliveira. You know, and so he's probably thinking, um, I, 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 it's, it's only been a year since I beat him. By the time he fights him, mm-hmm. he wants probably someone else because he, he, I, I think he really is interested in this whole, like, he really seems put off by the fact that he's not the pound for pound number one fighter. Of course, I think I already went over this not too long ago. Uh, there's a lot of champions that are doing work just like you, Islam. But man, you ain't even close to John Jones at this point. Like, you know, settle mm-hmm. down, get your Take title defenses in order. And I think he might realize that he needs to do that if he wants to reach Khabib status as far as being the greatest lightweight ever or one of the greatest lightweights ever, you know, and much less. And then after that, a pound for pound, a current pound for pound great. It takes time. It takes time to get there. For sure. Yeah. Um, all right, so those were some interesting things that came out of the UFC on ABC5 press conference. You also had Macy Barber kind of stinging Juliana Pena. Um, if you want to talk about it, goes that's fine. I feel like I've been having a, a go at Pena lately, so I don't want to just keep going because then I'm going to be labeled a hater. Um, but uh, I don't know if you caught it. She was just like, hey, let Amanda Nunes retire. You know, like you looked awful. They, there, there was this camera footage. That caught Pena kind of booing and yelling at her and kind of disrespecting the moment, you know, the retirement. Mm-hmm. I think that's what Macy Barber was referring to. And and, uh, and then on top of that, uh, DC is saying, I'd like to see Blanchfield versus Pena. And, of course, we thought maybe Pennington versus Pena might make sense. Mm-hmm. But what DC's point is, because Grasso and Shashenko are going to fight sometime, I don't know. There hasn't been a fight announced, but we imagine. Then, sure, Blanchfield should get the winner, but Blanchfield's kind of open to moving up and just fighting Pena. Like, that kind of came out of nowhere, and DC was warm to it. You know, and I'm not completely opposed to it, but I wanted to know what your thoughts were. Well, going back to Macy, um, Macy's not really the type of girl to just speak out and, and talk trash. You know, she was asked the question, and she gave her answer. But what I, what I liked about her answer was, it just feels like, isn't that what most people feel? Like, almost word for word, what she was saying, like, it just what was cringy at moments, right? Mm-hmm. And it was unnecessary. And I think that's why Juliana's maybe getting a lot of heat. Now, if you have a brain, you know she's probably not a maniac. You can probably read into the fact that there's a massive payday in it for Juliana Pena. And mm-hmm. she probably would have liked to have that match. And deep down inside, no matter what people say or how they read things, she is a fighter and believes that she can win that fight. Uh, I just think she went a little too far. You know, there's a little too much. Mm-hmm. And so I agree with everything Macy said. And then as far as Aaron Blanchfield goes, it's something that 
I didn't really think about, you know, just, I get it. She is kind of frozen a little bit, but I think even Aaron might tell you, like, I could see her benefiting from one more fight. I think she's still improving. And, uh, right now I feel like Valentina would be a tough out if Valentina won that fight. If Alexa somehow had her number and won again, I think that's uh, a little bit more towards Aaron's suit. But I don't see how one more fight wouldn't wouldn't benefit her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it almost sounds like Jamal Hillish. Remember, we kind of thought Ooh, the that- same. Like, hey, you should probably take that Anthony Smith fight, you know, um, and let them deal with finding someone else. But instead, Hill stepped up, fought for the title, and next thing you know, he won. He was, he was ready, you know. But I'll tell you what, you beat Jessica Andrade. I mean, sheesh, that's pretty incredible. So mm-hmm. the Miranda Maverick win was was good. Meatball Molly McCann was good, but Jessica Andrade was that next step. So I I could see, I could see her having that type of confidence. Um. And the fact that she's just been so dominant, you know, in, in the UFC. Um, I think she's like 5-0 and in the UFC is Blanchfield with that win over Andrade. Her only loss is Tracy Cortez back at Invicta. And Tracy Cortez, as we all seen, is a really, really good fighter herself. So, anyway, um, all that stuff that we're talking about is available on MMA Junkie if you want to check it out. Uh, the YouTube page. It's youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. And so our guy, Danny Segura, was there. And he you'll see the individual um, the, the individual spots that each fighter did uh, out there in leading up to this UFC card on ABC. Um, let me give you some times real quick, and then we'll get to John Dodson. So UFC on ABC5 is going to be early. I don't know if you guys remember, but a UFC on ABC4 was early too. Um, it's Saturday, right? And the fights start on ESPN and ESPN Plus at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Saturday. So this fight card is, you know, pretty deep. Tetsuro Tyra and Clayton Rodriguez, Jamal Emers and Jack Jenkins. Jillian Robertson and Tabitha Ricci are on the card. Randy Brown is on the card. Justin Toff is on the card. Neil Magny, Phil Rose, the main event of the prelims. And again, they start at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. The fights on ABC are at 3 p.m. Pacific. Sorry, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. And that's Brendan Allen versus Bruno Silva. David Onama versus Gabriel Santos. Cody Rundage versus Cedricus Dumas. Uh, Amanda Hivas versus Macy Barber. Josh Evett versus Ilya Taporia. They're out in Jacksonville for this. Tune in, but just make sure to note that early start time on Saturday. PFL is the night before on Friday. Also on ESPN. Well, the prelims are on ESPN Plus. Sorry. 6 p.m. Eastern. 3 p.m. Pacific, and a lot of those fights, like Ralph Manfio against Natan Schultz, you know, a lot of these fights will impact the playoffs, so you want to tune in and catch these if you're into PFL and you're setting up for their playoffs and how things are going to play out there. Check it out. 
The main card is at 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, 7 p.m. Pacific. Those are on ESPN. So Friday and Saturday, back-to-back, uh, lots going on there uh, with ESPN and ABC, part of the Walt Disney family. All right, guys, let's talk to John Dodson, who we've covered you know, in mixed martial arts for a long time, and now he's got this vacant title fight coming up in August. Uh, in the flyweight division at VKFC. We'll be right back to talk to the magician. John Dodson, former MMA fighter. Probably could still get down if he wanted to. He's that good, but now competing in bare knuckle. He's got a huge fight coming up against J.R. Ridge at BKFC 48. That fight is coming up in August. It's for the vacant flyweight title over at BKFC. Again, August 11th. It's a Friday. And for more information, go to the Bare Knuckle website, which is bkfc.com. If you want to get tickets, you want to go to the Albuquerque area and check out this fight, or, of course, how to watch the event as well. Welcome back to uh, Junkie Radio. How are you, John? I'm doing good. And just to correct you on that, uh, I am still doing MMA. I just got done fighting. Uh, uh, Tomono, this dude out in Japan, he was the number one flyweight, sitting there on a 14-fight win streak, and I snapped that pretty easily. So I'm going out there and bare-knuckle doing both of them with MMA and bare-knuckle boxing. Nice. All right. Well, like I said, you could probably get down in that sport if you wanted to. I just hadn't – I didn't know about that fight. So, um, And guess what? Your name popped up the other day. We had Demetrius Johnson on, and we asked him, who was your toughest matchup ever? He hadn't fought Marias for the third time yet, so he had fought him twice. He fought Benavides twice. He fought um, Cejudo twice. So I'm thinking maybe it's going to be one of them, I guess. No disrespect to you, but it was you. It was you, man. And um, he, he, you know, I thought it was great. You know, it's one of the all-time greats. And he talked about just, you know, how dangerous you were, how quick you were, and and uh, I thought that was a, a nice compliment. Yeah, always a great compliment because the fact that sitting there seeing scary John Dodson's back in action and making sure I can land the heavy blows and being able to control the distance and being looking for more vicious and ferocious style of fighting coming from myself. And that's what the that's what the, the John Dodson, the Demetrius Johnson feared. The one he kept on mm-hmm. saying that hit him the hardest, sat there taking his soul and making sure that it had a questionable win against him. Well, I still lost, but still. <laughs> Who was your toughest fight ever? Be honest with you, it has to be with DJ. He had to be the most hardest puzzle for me to solve. Like, no matter how many times I figure I could take him down, I could hit him with a quick strike. DJ was literally my toughest opponent to this date. Like everybody else, I can I know what I was like what I was going in for with him. It was just a like a mystery. He was like a giant enigma that I had to figure out. Nice. All right. Well, nice little payback compliment for him. Um, John, let me ask you this. Because you've been in our studio, we've interviewed you many times, you just always have this positive attitude. You've always got a smile on your face. My brother likes to ask fighters a question from time to time. When do you turn on the switch? With you, I almost seem like there is no switch. You're even smiling in your fights. So is there a nasty side inside of you still that we just don't see or – are there like if we were to ask your friends, would they go, "Oh man, he can be an asshole" or whatever? Like you just seem like a nice guy, but somehow you're you are pretty vicious, whether it's a ring or a cage. 
you guys haven't noticed I'm like Bruce Banner. Like, I'm always angry. I'm angry all the time. I hate life. Everything's all about everything. But at the same time, I love, like, literally love being in those moments. Like, life for me is the ups and downs and turmoils and being aggressive. But you still got to be able to enjoy those little things. Like, I'm angry. I'm, I'm unhappy. I'm like everybody else in the world. But I like to highlight the best version of myself and continue on loving the moment. And that's where I get into. And that's where I'm in the fight. Like, everyone's like, oh, you got to turn in this fight or flight mode. And I was like, no, I'm just enjoying being here in the present time, hitting somebody, getting hit, taking down, and just knowing the fact I'm blessed on being able to do this. Like, training, fighting, everything, I'm blessed to do it. Like, I'm still breathing, and that's a gift in itself. And people need to understand that's what we got to do. Embrace those moments and just be happy with everything that comes in life. No give me I'm an fucking. example. Give me an example of when you are angry, for example. Nah, man, I'm like, I'm angry when I stub my toe, when I have to yell at my kids and discipline them. <laughs> right now, like, I'm always mad because I have to like remind them to do the dishes and do them right, not just leave grease everywhere. <laughs> but mm -hmm. like, I'm angry when I have mad road rage all the time. I yell at people. I'm in the car. Be up. I'm one of those midgets that be angry and should have short man syndrome. <laughs> Have you ever gotten out of the car? Has it gotten that far? Of course, I've always gotten out of the car. What do you mean? I'm always like I said. I'll get out well, of the car. I mean, you're you're a like, professional hey, fighter, so it's not really it. fair. But at the same time, I imagine there's a lot of people that want a piece of you when they see you. So, uh, how far like, has it gotten on the road rage? Now they get, they see me, they look at me, and then they understand. They're like, ah, his ears are kind of messed up. If he takes me down, he is going to choke me out. But you see mm -hmm. that little car seat in the behind me. Most of the time, I only get super raged out because of the fact that I have kids. Like, I'm like, mm. well, my life, I don't really care about too much about. Like, I'm going out there enjoying it, but I want to give the opportunities to my family and my kids to have that be the best thing. And if someone's trying to take their life, that's when I get upset. Has anyone, have you ever gotten out of the car? Someone saw you and they go, oh, that's John Dodson. I, want, I don't want none. Like, did, they, did your fame ever get you out of a road rage fight? No. Everyone always wants to pick on a midget, no matter if I. Uh, if it's fair or not, mm -hmm. <laughs> they just look at me and they realize I'm two feet tall. They definitely think they can handle me, but and I don't sit there and try to fight anybody. I just sit there and yell at them. And if they swing, I'll just take them down and tickle them into submission and have them be fully embarrassed. <laughs> they got this is what happened. They chose to pick up a to fight a midget, try to cut them off, think that they're gonna swing and punch them, and I'm controlling them on the ground and tickling them to uh, until their embarrassment. And whoever's filming it can sit there and show that I never struck hit the man. And he's peeing his pants because he got tickled in submission. That's funny. All right. This is for the vacant title, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yep, this is going to be for actually the first ever. So I'll, I'll be the inaugural flyweight champion as soon as I win this. Once I win mm -hmm. this title, the belt will be the first ever person to ever hold it. It's no longer vacant, no longer sitting there having a questionable doubt. Like I've been sitting the standard for VKSC who, how flyweight should be. I mean, everybody keeps on saying, oh, John, you've been climbing up the rankings. No. I'm the one who's setting the standard. Like, I'm setting the bar. I'm setting it super high, and I want to make sure I can continue on doing it until I retire. I'm going to go undefeated in this weight class at 125, whether it be at BKFC or in Ryzen in Japan. Who else do you think from MMA in the flyweights? Give a shout-out to a flyweight. Who, who else do you think could come over and do well just because either you fought with them, trained with them, or you think they got what it takes to do what you're doing in BKFC? Is there anyone out there that, that you think would do good? Of course, uh, I got some crazy Brazilians like 
John Lineker. Mm-hmm. That dude would have be massive and bare knuckle. He would go out there and just start clubbing people. Same thing with Diego Brandao. Man, there's a ton of guys that are actually been out there and doing the game. Like current fighters right now, I think would be a Tito Vera. I know he would want to, but he'd be amazing in it with this in and out motion. Corey Hamstegan, who who's very elusive with the striking. Man, there's a lot of people out there that really I want to go out there and this is like kind of bridging the gap between bare knuckle or between boxing and MMA because we can go ahead and utilize that clinch. Everyone keeps on giving us the benefit of doubt and saying, oh, MMA fighters can't go ahead and box with these boxers, but I want to test my skill against one of these dudes, hopefully coming up soon. One of these professional boxers who's a world champion and thinks that they can go ahead and take on a skill a skill set. Like I know Austin Trout went out there fought Diego Sanchez, and then that was kind of like a testimony to a brawler versus a boxer, but I'm a boxer who's been doing MMA for a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. I'm sure they'll be happy to hear that you gave them that kind of a lift that they could do well in the sport. Um, okay, so in mixed martial arts, we know that when you get to the championship level, if you're the champion, you can get pay-per-view points, higher salaries, or anything like that. Does it work the same in BKFC, or is it kind of like the same purse? Whatever contract you sign, the purse stays the same. Like, Are there perks to fighting in title fights at BKFC? Be honest with you, I haven't figured that out just yet, but once I do, I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. All right, let me turn it over to Goes. Goes, what do you have for John Dodson, our guest here on MMA Junkie Radio? What we've known from you, as always, we've always known you as John Dotson, the MMA guy. But you went over to BKFC, and it seems so natural for you. But I don't want to say that, you know, in the case of, like, say, like a Mike Perry, we all where we all go, man, maybe this guy should have always been over there, right? He's been so good at it. For you, does one kind of need the other, and does one kind of uh, re-energize the other for you? Uh, tell you the truth, the striking is striking. So I'm going to go out there and bomb on people the way that I know how to. Like, I keep on making sure that I want to be known as the world's most dangerous striker at flyweight. So this is the best way for me to do it, be able to do it in NMA or BKFC, and hopefully one day be doing it in boxing. I don't see myself retiring anytime soon, so just yet. You know, George talked about your demeanor and and how it seems like you're just having so much fun. Have you, I know you just said you don't, you, you haven't thought about retiring or anything, but have you ever thought about what you could do outside of mixed martial arts that would give you that same high that you get from martial arts, from boxing, all that? Uh, probably do some American Ninja Warrior again, some parkour, do some stunt, mo- stunt works and some movies. You know, the good old-fashioned stuff that I'm already doing right now. <laughs> like, I have, I train over at Ninja Warrior Gym over here. My house called Ninja Force. We sit there having some fun, playing around with these guys, jumping around, doing that American Ninja Warrior stuff. Uh, my buddy did parkour, so I do go to the tumbling mats with them here and there so we can go have some fun. And... I actually do stunts here in Albuquerque as well. So since we're here in the land, uh, in Tamalewood, what they call it in, in movie land here, <laughs> I'm trying to get on the stunt work, try to rise my stock in, in being in the movie industry. I don't ever want to see this face being on the big screen, like having actors, like saying lines and stuff. But if one day I can go ahead and be an actor, I'll, I'll try that out. Is there any unfinished business for you? Not in the sense of maybe rematches or anything, but just things that you've always wanted to do, whether it in BKFC, boxing, or MMA, any anything that you've always wanted that you haven't been able to get, but you think can still happen. Are you serious? We're about talking about it right now. Waiting to get me a title. 
I'm going to make sure I can go get the BKFC title, then get me a Ryzen title, and then keep on doing it in multiple stacks and making sure I can go ahead and be crown myself a king instead of being an uncrowned king. Everybody's favorite fighter sitting there talking about, I'm one of the happiest dudes that you've ever seen without a belt. I just want one. Just one belt. <laughs> I, I was going to say, you said it at the end, but I think you could do some acting. I also think you could probably do some uh, announcing, you know, uh, you probably already have to tell you the truth, but you, you do have a great personality. And like I say, a lot of times in combat sports, they want fighters that have been successful and you being successful in two sports, you command attention, you know, when you speak about strategies and things like that. So I think you could do well. They might even tell you to paper down on the announcer table though. Well, I don't know if, if I have the personality for three people. Uh, I'll be doing some ring announcing, but I'll try to do it on some live streaming so I can go ahead and work on my clarity of vocal pronunciations because uh, I sound like a dumbass most of the time when I'm talking to people, <laughs> especially when I'm trying to commentate. Man, I want to say some random things and I want to get it off my chest, but my mouth just doesn't move as fast as my mind works. Ryan, your career with Ryzen and BKFC, BKFC seem to be complimenting each other. You're doing well, but... Could we ever see you back at either the UFC, Bellator, or PFL if they were to adopt the Manaway division? Is that something Man, that is Either one of those, just in case of one, if, if the money's right. To be honest with you, they put me in for the right time, and I'm kind of a little salty that UFC let me go because of the fact that I feel like I have unfinished business being a champion and being one of the most dominant flyweights that they ever had. They let me go before I get a chance to. Bellator, I mean, they're just opening up that 125 division, so... I mean, we don't know. I've been calling out Horiguchi for a long time, and we'll see if that's the time coming. And if Bellator and Ryzen does do that crossover, so I'll probably be sticking with Ryzen and BKFC for right now. And even though you're 38, flyweight's no problem, or would you be more of a bantamweight? I don't know. Nah, flyweight's still no problem. I, I was like a fluffy one, uh, 135er, and then everybody keeps on calling me like uh, Roy, a Roy out 25er, so it's kind of weird. When I went back down to my normal weight class, everybody's like, oh, man, you got we have to be on something. I was like, no, I'm just actually in shape, in camp, and just a dominant force. How many kids do you have, by the way? I got three kids. I have one son and then two girls. Okay. All right. I was just thinking, man, he's yelling at his kids for not dry, drying the dishes right, but they're still using a, a, a car seat. They can't be that good if they're that little, but you must have no, older man, kids. No, man, I have an 11, 7, and a 4-year-old. Very cool. All right. Well, congratulations on that. Thanks for the time here on Junkie Radio. Thanks for popping back. You didn't have to, but we appreciate it. Hopefully your phone cools off. Hopefully your no, phone becomes as cool as you. No, nah, man, it, it cooled off because I literally threw it in a, in a frizz. As soon as it cooled off, I called you guys right back. As soon as it was allowing me to like, go ahead and go back on. Like, I'll send you the text and uh, the screenshot. I took a screenshot of it. It says, temperatures are too hot for your phone. You have to wait till it cools off. It was, ah! <laughs> so we're getting it. So. Nice. All right, John. Thanks for the time. Oh, no problem. Have a, a nice little reminder. He's right. He has been getting some work done in MMA still. So I shouldn't have said you're probably done or you're still competing. I imagine. No, it, he really has been as of late competing. Um, so yeah, BKFC MMA. He's at 38 years old. It's, it's pretty amazing, man, that he is kind of juggling the two and, and doing pretty good at it. Yeah, and at the tempo that he he keeps in his fights and all that, like, I don't know. Uh, it's kind of weird saying this about a smaller guy, but 
I've liked the way he's fought in BKFC. He fight, he's like a tornado, dude. He is something else over there. But in MMA, you know, like you mentioned, Demetrius Johnson did say that was one of his toughest outs, if not his mm-hmm. toughest ever. So um, the dude gets respect all the way around. I, I hope he does get his belt. Yeah, me too. Uh, I've never really heard a bad thing about him. So he kind of always cracks me up. Um, but, you know, I guess we still have about six or seven weeks. That that one's just kind of been announced. So we're getting some early promotion going on there for BKFC. Uh, and he is a former MMA fighter. Well, no, current. Former UFC fighter is what I'm saying. Uh, by the way, at the end, I don't know if you caught that. He said, yeah, I kind of wasn't too thrilled about getting cut by the UFC. And, mm-hmm. um, but he says he's willing to do Bellator, their flyweight division, whoever takes care of him, I guess. He's open to it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The Ultimate Fighter is now, they have their fourth episode in the books. So McGregor versus Chandler, season 31, episode four, was last night. And 24 hours have gone by. That's usually been the the rule, you know, for spoilers, at least back in the day. And we're going to talk about it. Now, if you don't want to hear about it, then you might as well just tune out now. We'll see you all on Monday or whatever. I already gave you guys the times for this weekend's action. And this will probably be one of the last things we cover on today's show. But we'll we'll get into it. And I, I think that's your little fair warning. But, um, all right, so in this week's episode goes, we have um, Timur Valiev versus Trevor Wells. Now, these two were going to dance a few weeks ago, and if you'll remember, Trevor Wells got that uh, a cold sore. Mm-hmm. It kind of looked like a little bit of staff on his, on his uh, outside of his lip, said it was a cold sore, and it was active, so he couldn't go. Because it was still on his face in this episode. So I was thinking, well, it ain't gone. But I guess there's a difference. The stage you can be in when you're maybe more contagious, according to the doctors. So the first thing was just, at what weight class was this going to be in? Team McGregor was like, well, you know, that's the bigger guy. Let's make him suffer. We agreed at 135. Let's go to 135. And Chandler stood his ground. He said that Dana said they could solve it. And... uh so that was interesting. By the way, McGregor wasn't there for that. McGregor sent one of his coaches to try and uh, get these guys down to 135 again. But Chandler was like, no, 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 no. We want to do 144. So I was like, okay, how's this going to work out? Because McGregor's coach is starting to walk out. And Chandler was like, nope, we're showing up. And then Dana makes a phone call. They kind of settle on 142 pounds. That sounded about fair, right? Yes and no. Um, well, I do agree that maybe a whole weight class is too much. Um, what I didn't like was I thought Dana should have just, just made a ruling. You know, I, I, I honestly think uh, the fact that Chandler's team that week were, were cool with everything the way it went down because it sucks to have to try and make weight, you know. I'm right. sure a, a stink could have been made. This is unfair, all that, but they were—they seemed pretty cool about it. So I thought maybe McGregor's team should have returned the favor a little bit, but it seemed like they were more towards the uh, "let's try and get every advantage we can." 
mentality, which really does happen a lot in mixed martial arts, guys. You, uh, you'd be surprised at some things that people try and do. But uh, that kind of caught me off guard that he left it uh, up to the fighters or the coaches, sorry. And then to top it all off, Connor wasn't even really there for that discussion. It was it was uh, Michael and Adi Attar. The only thing I can think of is maybe maybe Dana thought that their interaction would lead to good television, I guess. Yeah, but, that's a good point. Um, you're right. Like, in the end, it was Dana's, I guess, kind of decision. Um, I'll disagree with the coach, but now I'm being a technical jerk. When he said, well, that's a whole other weight class. Well, hey, bro, the minute you step in at 136 and a half, you're a featherweight. You're no longer a bantamweight, technically, you know, like. You, that, that's the cap for Bantamweight is 136 or 135 if you're fighting for a title. But I get what he was saying was when they were saying 145, then, you know, we think of it in a different way. But the, the, the featherweight division is actually 136 and a half to 146 and, and so on. So the lightweight division, I guess, is 146 and a half to 156. Uh, as long as it's not a title fight. We're not talking title fights here, but right. no big deal. Um, in the end, the fight happened. And, dude, it was a pretty good fight. And I wanted to ask you, did you run into Trevor Wells in uh, at Hendo Fights? Did you remember that familiar face? Or did they introduce him? Or did you see him? I think that we did see him. Um, Don, Don Cho, for those of you who know, uh, I thought he kind of pointed it out. And we were looking through the crowd, but we didn't really have like enough time to really see him and focus in on it. But it did kind of look like him. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he's from Temecula. And uh, he fights out of Dan Henderson's gym. But he made a good representation of himself. Even though the fight ended in two rounds, it was a unanimous decision. Timor Valley have won. Round one was pretty close. And... Look, Valiev was the proper winner. I did think he was the better of the two that night. But Valiev did some stuff that I think would normally stop youngsters. He has like 10 more fights experience, so almost double experience. I think he's 18-3 and three and Trevor's 8-3, and three, so it's up there. Um, but Trevor was like really, really patient. Like when he had that body triangle and he was attacking the neck, you know, he stayed patient. And then eventually he got out of that. Uh, a couple times he got taken down, he'd get up. A couple times he caught him with some counter hooks on the way in. But Valiev was just, you know, he's a beast. And so in the end, he was the one that got his hand raised. McGregor was hoping for a third round. And I'll say this. I think if it goes in the third, I think Trevor could win the round. I'm just not sure he could finish Valiev. So either way, I think we'd still get a two-to-one decision Valiev. But, but it was a fun fight to watch. You know, I honestly feel like uh, it's hard. You know, there's always the magic of editing. But I do feel like Michael Chandler is doing good things with his team, giving them good coaching. And I'm sure Conor McGregor, uh, his team, probably makes up for the lack of time that maybe he spends with them. But uh, to me, a lot of these fights really do just seem to come down to Chandler's guys, you know, they're they're the more experienced fighters. And sometimes I think that shows in some of these fights. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I've yet to read Holabaugh's article for this week. Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering if it's editing or if it's 
accurate, you know, how it's being portrayed. So when McGregor's there and he does coach, it looks like he's into it with his guys. And he's very, he's a good motivator. He picks them up when they lose. He still gives them a pat on the back, tells them he's proud of them. But yeah, he's not there a lot. And um, so it could be that just those moments where they show him real intense in training almost save his ass. Perhaps he was rarely there and they're giving him all that love. Or maybe he was there adequately, adequately enough and that's, that's good, but he brought in Steven Wonderboy Thompson this week, and so I thought that was a nice little twist. But yeah, mm-hmm. he's got the prospects, and, and Chandler's got the veterans, and you can just tell that in this format, the veterans, are their experience is coming in handy. They're, they seem more confident going in. They're not overwhelmed by the whole, um, you know, how the reality sh- reality show works. Because when you've never been in the UFC before, and you're trying to get there, you're already kind of like, you know, learning as you go, and and um, who knows if you're a complete fighter just yet. So now you're stuck in a house for six weeks, and then you got this inconsistent presence in McGregor, although he's he's got his coaches there. All, all right, that's good. But you also live in the house with eight other dudes. Mm-hmm. I see Chandler all the time, you know, and so... You have to be wondering, man, did I get slighted? You know, um, you know, and, and those guys don't have—I don't think they have those types of nerves because they—they're uh, veterans, so they've kind of done this. A few of them have already been in the UFC. Hell, Katona's already won the, the damn thing once. And by the way, Katona, who normally is with the SVG guys, I guess there's a little tease that he's getting a little homesick and would rather be with those guys. Yeah, it's ironic, especially with the topic that we're on right now. Uh, I don't know. That is kind of a weird situation, but uh, it's so difficult because you don't know how the show's been edited, but I don't know. To me, Michael Chandler seems really into it. Right. And for me, when it's fight time, Connor seems really into it, you know, but if he's that into it, then why is he in the corner? You know, that I've always found a little, a little strange, but uh, I guess that's just part of, you know, if you're going to have one of the biggest guys in the sport be on a show like this, I'm sure there's just going to be some, some things he's not going to play ball with, you know, and that you just have to live with it. But uh, I still, again, this is the fourth week, not very much coach interaction. And that's kind of why I watch the show a lot of times. And I'm wondering if the if they're editing things that way because they know these two aren't going to fight. Well, funny you bring that up because just in the last few days was the final cutoff for the, the December 16 event, I guess, that the UFC's having. Supposedly, it's their last pay-per- pay-per-view of the year. In fact, I think I have one of the windows open that can tell, tell me this exactly. But Michael Chandler did uh, some social media this week, and he was, okay, he was mad, but not pissed. But you could just tell he was frustrated because he was noting that, yes, it is December 16th. We're at 179 days or something. So I guess the date, it must have just expired. 180 would be half of a year or close to. But he was noting, like, my my man's not in the, the USADA pool just yet. 
So this ship is slowly sailing. He's probably staring at the fact that he's not going to fight in 2023. He's still keeping up beat and all. But the irony is that he, he just got rushed by USADA and he just had to give a test. So, uh, you know, now they filmed all this a few months ago, but he's watching it every week. And, you know, Chandler's older. He wants to get down. He wants to fight. Um, and and this is a huge fight. He's going to make a lot of money, but, you know, like this other guy just, I mean, folks, we're almost at two years since he broke his leg against Poirier. Mm-hmm. Remember, he said he'd be back in one year, and now it's two years, and he's yet to enter USADA. So by the time he enters USADA, it's going to be two and a half years. Now, on top of all that, He's out there partying and, you know, getting in a little bit of trouble or rubbing up against trouble. Who knows? Um, it The likelihood, it, it's, it's just not there, you know? And I think Chandler, like I say, would just be better off cutting ties and moving on to the next opponent. After all, I think being a world champion means more to him than fighting Conor McGregor. I'd be shocked if that wasn't true. So fight somebody. Fight somebody that gets you closer to Makashev. He hasn't lost to Makashev. He's lost to Gagey. He's lost to Poirier. And he's lost to Oliver. But he hasn't lost to Makashev. And Makashev, Gagey and Poirier, one of them is going to eliminate each other. So Mm -hmm. Makashev is slowly, you know, he has, he's looking for some fresh blood as, uh, as well. So Chandler, I think, you know, should maybe start looking at how he can position himself so that if he wins two fights, maybe he gets a title shot. You already know the UFC loves him. You already know the UFC might give him an advantage over other fighters that maybe are harder to work with or whatever. Um, I, I, you know, like I said, I, I would just look at it that way. And wouldn't Michael Chandler, couldn't you say he could do a lot of things that Volkanovsky did? That's what I think makes this... Uh, that bout a little bit more intriguing. Um, he can do a lot of things Wolkanovsky can do, and he's a bigger guy. You know, and at times when you watch that fight, you, uh, size did matter a little bit. I felt like Islam did get some key positions because he was just the bigger guy. So I would love to see Michael Chandler in that position. But at the end of the day, man, when you're looking at all this, all this stuff with him and Connor, I think the easiest way to read the whole thing is this. Michael Chandler needs Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor doesn't need Michael Chandler, right? Conor McGregor could come back and well, fight anyone, and people people would be excited. Do you think Chandler really needs him? Why does he need him? Because he wants that giant payday. Well, true, but I think he's done well for himself. This would put him at another level, sure, but um, I, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, I I just think Chandler could carve out his own way if he wins fights. Um, I would maybe ask Manil Dariush if he wants to fight. I think Dariush wants to fight before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. He's a respected name. He's coming off a loss. So is Chandler. Maybe those two can fight. And then after that, he might have to take one more. Uh, if I, in fact, he probably would have to take one more. In fact, that one might be McGregor. But 
I would what I would definitely try to do is always line up on the same card as the champ and always weigh in at championship weight because you just never know. You just never know in the sport. Um, and everybody's getting older. A lot of these fighters we're talking about are in their upper thirties. Chandler is thirty-seven. Let me see. Chandler is yeah, thirty-seven. He turned thirty-seven on April thirty-fourth or twenty-fourth. Huh? McGregor, I believe, is. 34 so you know he's still got a little bit more time but anyway so Chandler's team's up 4-0 and McGregor looks like he's a little frustrated with it but you know in past seasons when one coach has been getting the best of the other you kind of start to see the, the the meltdown happening a little bit you know and the only tease we got for next week is that one of the guys on the 4-0 team wants to maybe go train with, be a part of the team that's 0-4. But understandably, because that is his team, but um, you would think that this is just a great chance to get a fresh look without offending your teammates because that's how they wanted it. It's not like you chose to go to Team Chandler. That's just kind of how, how things would break down. So why wouldn't you want to learn from Bob Cook and um, – who are the other coaches that he got? Uh, Henry Hooft, uh, Ryan Bader, Robert Drysdale. I mean, th- those are some great coaches to learn from. Uh, Jason Strout, the striking coach. I, I think Mike Katona should just stay put. I think so, too. I think we've had a situation like that on Tough before. I'm trying to think who it was. And oh, yeah. Remember where, yeah, where another fighter wanted to kind of jump ship? And I think they even they might have let him or something. I don't know. Yeah, they, they they that's happened before. I think it's happened a few times. Um, like I said, this one's interesting though because you're leaving the team that's four and zero to go to the team that's zero and four. Now, granted, that is technically your team, and so maybe you just want to be over there with them. But I thought the focus was to be here and to win, you know. And um, I mean, you can't worry about like I, I want to be with my coach or I want to be here. Or I want to be there, like. You got to focus right. on yourself. Um, plus, I, I don't even think they would let let him go over. Honestly, the way it works, they mm-hmm. got eight veterans and eight up and comers. I just, I just don't even know if it jives with what they want to do. Hell, you know what? I'm just gonna be a jerk. They show next week. It looks like the fight starts with them in their normal jerseys anyway. So it was one dumb tease, is the way it looked at. And usually, I don't catch that stuff, but I thought I caught that. I don't know if you caught it. I try not to watch it too much. You know what I don't even watch now, George, are like trailers to movies. Because they show so much of the movie that mm. they kind of ruin it at times. You know, like if you're watching a movie and in the in the trailer you see Jason Statham jumping out of a plane or something. And he's in a situation where where he might die early on in the movie or even halfway through the movie. You're like, he ain't going to die. I know because I already saw him jump out of the plane like that. I don't know. They tend to ruin so many things now that I don't really watch them as much. I watch them because I forget about them. So I'm not saying that by next week, I'll forget all this happened. That's just too close. And this is mm-hmm. what we cover. But usually if I sit in the movies today, they're showing me a trailer for something that comes out in December. By the time I go see it in December, I will probably will have probably forgotten about that trailer unless I've caught it over and over like on television or something then maybe I'll maybe I'll think that way but 
um like on the on the challenge you know the mtv challenge their trailer is so long and so complex that you'll see things you know like arguments or something and then all of a sudden the person will be up for elimination and you're like i know he's not going to get eliminated because we still haven't seen the scene where they have this argument or whatever like it kind of ruins it so i always kind of fast forward through them Mm. that's interesting all right all right folks well listen you got all your information for this week pfl on friday 10 p.s 10 p.m eastern 7 pacific for the main card but remember a lot of the prelim fights also impact the playoffs so check it out. And the PFL website is awesome. Just put like PFL MMA and that should take you to their website. And the standings are really easy to access. But even during the broadcast, they do a good job of telling you, hey, this person needs to win by this round and otherwise, you know, whatever. Um, the UFC is an early start, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 Eastern for the prelims, 3 p.m. Uh, 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific for the main card. And remember, it's Emmett versus Deporia in the main event. And we are out of here. So thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget, you can watch us on the spinning back click every Monday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. The show's live and it's always on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. By that, I mean we're live on YouTube, but when the show's over, it's immediately uploaded. And so if you missed part of it or all of it, you can just go there. And that's why I tell you, you might as well just subscribe. And if you hit the little bell, then you'll know when we're live. But at least you'll know when we put out content because you'll get a notification. So anyhow, folks, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the fights. We'll talk to you on Monday. Go out and be a champion.